I want to welcome all those by television this morning to all of it, United Methodist Church here in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. My name is Dr. Randy Tabor. We do unchurched funerals and weddings. It's a great honor and a privilege to have you tuning in with us today. We consider it a real privilege to come into your household by radio and YouTube and other Facebook and means of communication. We realize that this is probably one of the only religious worship services that you'll be a part of. And we do appreciate your thoughts and your prayers and in your support. Our opening hymn as we worship this morning is found Seated freely, freely, 389, please.
Amen. A mighty message in that, that hymn. As we prepare to go to prayer this morning, I want to challenge all those by way of television to turn in their, um, their Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You better take that. That might be the president. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13, and chapter 5, verse 11. And if you're here at Olivet United Methodist Church here on Sunday morning, um, you'll find it on page 264 in the New Testament, page 204-204. You'd think that if you buy expensive glasses, so if you're joining us by way of television this morning, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through chapter 5, verse 11. And it's very important that you follow along because I don't want anybody to criticize me for what God's word has to say. Any form of criticism lies with the word of God. And you shouldn't be critical of God because God gives us this word for his and our instruction unto righteousness. But let's go to the Lord in prayer before we turn to that scripture. Father, God, we live in a very chaotic world of illness and death chaos and destruction, and as we think of the Ukraine and the unimaginable things that are occurring there, we know that many innocent Russians are totally oblivious to what's going on in their neighboring country. They do not have the freedoms of religion and communication and the printing press and the television. There's so much indoctrination with that socialism or communism or fascism that they're experiencing. Those poor Ukrainian refugees, as they cross the borders, the devastation of rape and death and destruction that they're experiencing, our hearts go out to them. We pray for them in the last days, the final days in preparation of coming of the Lord. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we say the Lord's Prayer because we believe in the second coming of Christ. That we are believers not only in his first coming and his death and burial and resurrection, his crucifixion, but we believe in his second coming. We pray for those by way of television and radio and YouTube and other means of communication that do not have the privilege and opportunity. Those who are in prisons, those who are hospitalized, those who are in nursing homes, those who are immobile, and they're dependent upon the airways to get their religious instruction. And we pray, Father, that we would not go according to hearsay or hope so, think so, feel so, but according to God's word, know so, because only God's word is truly eternal. Help us not to be led by our own biases and prejudices and hunches and hopes, but by the word of God. Help us to be discerners of the time in which we live in. We pray for our own families. We pray for the Many families around the world, we pray for the Taiwanese and liberated countries. Pray for the Chinese, we pray for worldwide vision and those organizations that are spreading the word of God and that are faithful to the word of God. Help us to be truly faithful to God. We pray for Gary and Kathy, a couple of our high profile technicians in our church that are taking a long break through much weight within their families and families that they are concerned about and they 
are experiencing a little getaway time, and we pray that as they travel, they may have tra traveling mercies. They may not be burdened by the many concerns at home. We pray that you would protect them. Protect them as they travel these next three to four weeks. Bring them back safely to us. We pray for our military and our law enforcement and those in health care that are on the front lines of our care and our provision. We pray for divine wisdom, Lord, as we come in your midst. Help us to sing seriously the, the hymns that are before us. Pray for Michelle, Chris Larson's daughter, as she faces some challenges and good news, bad news. We pray that whenever Michelle crosses our mind that we would pray for her and Chris Larson's family. We thank you for Chris being with us today, and we pray for other families by way of tele television that are struggling with challenges of health, and care, and bereavement, and our hearts go out to them. We thank you that we're a congregation that cares one for another. We may be small in numbers, but we're great in quality. We pray, Father, for the rest of our worship service that you guide and direct the scriptures. I mentioned earlier, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through chapter 5, verse 11. It's found on page 204 in our hymnals. Help us to seriously follow along. We want to seek out a life that's pleasing to God, and we want to be aware of the coming of the Lord. For these and other prayer requests, Lord, we bring before you today those that are mentioned and those that go unmentioned. You taught us all to pray, sing together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As Mike comes now, let us all turn to our scripture lesson in the as I mentioned, if you're here at Holabit United Methodist Church this morning, you want to turn in your Bibles to our scripture lesson today, found on page 204. I'm going to wait till everybody finds it. I'm going to wait about five seconds. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through chapter 5, 11. And those by way of television and radio, they always tell me that they benefit by not only hearing the word of God read, but by seeing the Word of God. So reading now from, I think um, this morning Mike might give a brief testimony. The title of our scripture, taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and following, is the coming of the Lord. You may not be aware of it, but one out of 20 verses in the New Testament has to deal with the second coming of Christ, not his first coming, but his second coming. And as all good parent knows, we want to warn our children, our grandchildren, of things that they should be aware of. And Jesus is warning you and I. But we do not want you to be uninformed. Uninformed brothers and And you and I are the brothers and sisters he's addressing this morning. About those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. 
For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we, we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now he's talking about the rapture. The rapio means taking up, the blessed hope that we look for. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another. Say that word, encourage. Encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and the seasons, Brothers and sisters, you can put your name in there. You do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. A thief in the night when they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and there will be no escape. How many know about labor pains? I can't raise my hand, but... You know, if you've experienced labor pains. But as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. Delivery, whether it be a few days or a few hours. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, and you're children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. You could put your name in there, who died for Randy Tabor, for your name who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, and there's that word again, say it with me, encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. May God bless the reading and the hearing. Let's turn on Luke 15, chapter 15, 11 to 32. It's a parable about a man with two sons. Something interesting about that from Luke 15, chapter, chapter 15, 11 to 32, because that was only, that particular parable is only found in the book of Luke. The other scriptures don't have it. Now the scripture reads that a man had two sons, and the youngest son went to the father to ask for his portion of the property from his father. The father was split evenly, the land, the father's property was split evenly, according to Deuteronomy, Chapter 21, verse 17. Except that man had five sons to split his property between. This man only had two. The sons would receive approximately half of the property, with the elder son getting a little bit more because of the two sons. In this culture, back then, large families were common. And most inheritance, because the families were larger, very modest. The youngest son, to receive his portion early, went to his father and asked for it. 
And that really shows the insensitivity of the son and rudeness because he had nothing to do with his father's property. In that culture, they weren't supposed to do anything with what their father had until their father passed. Another aspect of the parable, who are the sons? There's an older son and a younger son. Who are they? What do they who do they represent? The younger son represents us as Gentiles. The older son or the one to get the first reward from his father's passage would represent Israel. Now the younger son took the inheritance that the father had given him before his death. He went out to a strange land and wasted it all. He wasted on sounds so usual wine, women, and song. He spent his money foolishly from his father. But you know what? It never satisfied the need he felt to be fulfilled. Now remember, the father that gave the inheritance, the younger son, represented God. And again, he was trying, the younger son that had gotten his inheritance early, were not trying to fulfill his own needs and his own earthly wants from living an earthly life, partying, basically. After returning to his father in his homeland empty-handed, a great famine hit. But the son that went out and wasted his inheritance didn't have money, any money left to survive the, the, the famine. He was, his options were really limited. You know, he found a job feeding pigs. Now pigs were grossly unclean animals in the Hebrew religion. He was not only with them, he had to feed them. Even the food the pigs ate was unclean to the Jewish people. They were to avoid it at all costs. And here he was, not only feeding them, but he was eating their food. And a great lesson from this is to be learned from, for us. The man suffered from the consequences feeding the pigs. What he had done with his money away from his father's guidance. His foolish rebellion brought severe negative consequences for him. But when he was feeding the pigs, now he realized how good he had it under his father's care, under his father's guidance. When he was feeding the pigs, he didn't even have as good as his father's servants did. He goes, oh, this is the bottom of the barrel for me. So he had to return to his father with shame, something none of us want to do. It's a bad, shame is a terrible thing. And he realized that he had this shame and this embarrassment from the seed that he had sown. He reaped his own reward from what he had done. And when returning, his father saw him coming up the road from a distance and ran out to meet him. Did he scold him? No. He greeted him with a hug and a kiss. And that represents how God receives us. When we, when we pass from earth and get back to heaven, there's a celebration in heaven. Because not only have we repented while on earth, but we're returning home where we truly bond with our real father. And the father reacted to his son's return by saying for his finest robe, which was culturally to be reserved to the greatest honor, person with the greatest honor. He placed on his son. He also had the fat calf killed. Now that was also very unique and special. There only had one fatted calf, and that was to be saved for the greatest event in their lives. This man, God, saw his child coming home to him, and he, he ordered a celebration. 
You know what? When one sinner repents, what happens in heaven? Party time, a celebration. When we get up to heaven, we're going to find a celebration for us. And we're going to reap rewards of what we've sown for him while here on earth. I just think that was a great lesson for all of us with the Father representing God, showering his son through the grace of Jesus Christ when he returned, even though he had strayed far from his Father. He was forgiven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Enjoy your youth. I get letters from those by way of television and suggestions, and they always appreciate the fact of what Mike has to share. Fifty-one? Oh, man, just like yesterday, man. <laughs> Do keep um, Gary and Kathy in your thoughts and prayers. They appreciate the... It's tough for them to be away, and, but they're um, doing uh, traveling. They were by way of Zoom this morning in Sunday school, and I think they were in the Grand Canyon area. I had a parishioner of mine... His father went down in a plane crash over the Grand Canyon, and they never dis discovered the plane or the, um, the body, the remains. Uh, that was mix Mr. Nixon, uh, Larry Nixon's father. He was a lay leader in church that served up in Deer River. I kind of struggled with a number of names for sermon titles um, put in the bull bulletin bill back worse, but I started out with um, a sermon title of What If? What If? Because whenever you touch on the area of prophecy and the second coming of Christ and you deal with certain subjects of what if, you, um, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous subject to enter into. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier in the service, I'm not a prophet, and I don't claim to be a son of a prophet or son of a prophet. But I ask you a question this morning. What comes um, to your mind when you hear the expression, waiting for the other shoe to drop? Now, if you're new within the congregation, or we send out numerous bulletins each and every week because people like to follow us. The outline is on the back of the um, bulletin, kind of little cliffhangers, hangers to, um, and many of our parishioners take notes and, and they fill in. And at the end of the service, you get graded on how many blanks you filled, not really. But the outline is on the back in the first Answer that blank is waiting for the other shoe to what? And then first letter of the word. For many, it, it signifies um, the anticipation of an inevitable, an inevitable event. And oftentimes when you hear the first shoe drop, when the second shoe drops, it's, it's kind of a negative type of concept. And according to um, the idioms online, if you go online, and try to discover the root of what certain phrases and idioms mean. Um, the phrase has been around for a long, long time. In the origin, I can testify that I, I lived in 
many kind of lower rent housing and getting through college and getting through seminary. And there were paper walls and kind of paper floors almost. And this expression probably has its origin in the boarding or the rooming um, houses of the early 1900s when um, residents were crowded into multiple tiny rooms and, and the walls were very thin or from the multi-floor apartments, dwellings to cities like New York and, and Chicago where, where one tenant's bedroom and were always directly above and underneath the, the other, another. So when someone came home and they took off their shoes, it would be quite normal to hear uh, a thud, a thud when the shoe dropped, and then a second thud while the other shoe dropped. During the um, winter months, I'm accustomed to wear um, shoes that, that weigh approximately 10 pounds a piece because I, I, I feel I can't run really because of the slipperiness. So during the winter months, I wear lead-mounted shoes. I happened to be wearing them this morning. While I was in high school and college track and football, I would wear lead shoes to strengthen me so when I got on the field or the track meet or the football field and I wore the spikes, it allowed my feet to be much lighter and much quicker. In many ways, this, uh, this description here describes the times that you and I, we live in, does it not? Believers who are aware that we are living in the last days, and I'm a believer that we're living in the last days, we recognize the, the many indicators of Jesus' second and soon intervention, intervention in the world, which will begin with the rapture, followed soon by the tribulation, and, and for us, the other shoe will be joyful and wonderful, but the world will not see that joy. They'll see that tribulation that the Bible talks about. So you may ask, what, what are some of these prophetic signs that differentiate the periods throughout all history? Well, certainly it's the gathering of, of Israel because prophecy couldn't have begun till 1948 to 1967. And then, kind of secondly, the, the turning of the backs, certain leaders in the world on Israel and I've always been very supportive of political parties that were pro-life, pro-child, pro-Israel, pro-family. And as you get into the prophecy in the books of the Bible and you talk about the apocalypse and the, the books of Revelation, the second, the second writer of the apocalypse signifies the occurrence of great wars after the church is safely into heaven. I believe that the first shoe has fallen and the second shoe is about to fall where Christ will come and take the true believers in Christ away so we can be evacuated before the great tribulation according to Revelation chapter 6-4. The world is progressing in this direction at a very alarming rate. During the past several weeks we have heard repeated accounts of China. The, those spaces that were referred to in some 6,000 years ago, four to 6,000 years ago as Rosh and Magog and land masses that are occupied by China and Russia. I have many um, pilot friends that I'm in touch with that fly over Syria and over Turkey and Russia. 
you got to be very careful. You got to get clearance from those countries as they fly their F-16s. But the world is progressing in this direction at a very alarming rate. And during the past several weeks, we've heard repeated accounts of China flying dozens of military aircraft in the Air Force. We call them shorties, sorties. Um, military aircraft at Taiwan and of its army um, training for an amphibious attack and landing. Many believe just a matter of time before they invade the island nation, as it has long been their goal to, to do just that. And we need to ask a question, will the United States defend Taiwan and become involved in a war with China, and one that could escalate into horrific, horrific nuclear confrontation? Will China strike first at America, interest to keep it from defending Taiwan. It appears inevitable that China will attack Taiwan, but, but do we yet not know the answers to the above questions? And when it happens, or if they will actually invade the island nation? They're a part of NATO, and you understand the politics that are behind the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO. But it does seem almost inevitable. Russia recently unveiled a missile. If you've been following, not the fake news, but the real news, Russia recently unveiled this missile, which it can travel many, many times the speed of sound, <laughs> the speed of sound, and strike faraway targets in a matter of minutes. China also tested a similar weapon of mass destruction that can circle the Earth circle of Earth several times before unexpectedly wiping out its target. Radar will not be able to see this missile until the last minutes or seconds before impact. In the words of 1 Thessalonians 5.3, which we, we read come to mind in light of these technological advances with Russia and China, and as the Bible says, while, while people are saying there is peace, there is peace, there is security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Is this shoe ready to drop? Gog and Magog, territorial areas during the early writings of Paul's letter to the third church at Thessalonica, first century Christians. Another potential flashpoint for war lies in the Israeli-Syrian border in the Golan Heights. And from the past few years, even during my taking of leading of groups in Israel, and as we went on expeditions in that, that area, the aligning of nations, the aligning of nations and the build-up forces in Syria have closely matched the prophecies of Gog, Magog, and war drive in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and you want to probably write that down. We didn't have the time to just read Ezekiel 38 and 39, but it's Ezekiel 38 and 39. And at times it seems very close, but so far lacks the needed spark to, to elevate the tensions of an all-out war described in these chapters. I, um, I believed and I predicted by the end of 2021, which is just past, that I, Iran would either have a nuclear weapon or 
or that Israel would, would attack them. In either scenario, could easily push the Middle East to, to an all-out war, war described as descriptive of the prophet Ezekiel. Scripture does not tell us the timing of this war in regard to the rapture. Jesus said, you know, not the hour or the day or the minute, but just as we read, a woman in labor realized that birth was imminent. I believe it will happen several months afterward, but it's possible it could happen very soon after Jesus takes us home, or perhaps maybe simultaneously at the same time. The preparations for this war tell us that the shoe is already dangling in the air. And I, I think of that every time I come into the churchyard and I see those pair of tennis shoes dangling on the wires out there. Economic turmoil when Jesus opens the third seal. Now, this is a third seal. We're moving from the second to the third seal. Great economic turmoil results due to hyperinflation. Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. I believe that the United States is, has been on the edge of such a collapse for several months now. The printing of money and the enormous debt will someday destroy the economy here and cause great economic turmoil throughout the world. I warned a number of months ago, I warned of future inflation that will be worse than anything we've ever seen in the United States. We already see the signs of this, and it's about to get much, much worse. This shoe should have dropped months ago, but I believe the Lord, it, the Lord is in his sovereignty, his sovereignty, and, and supernaturally keeping it from hitting the floor until after the rapture, until the church is taken up. Many economic experts predict dire conditions this winter in America due to soaring energy costs and critical shortages of needed supplies. I worry about, you know, when you get to be almost 70, all the medical costs. And most of our Coumadin and our blood thinners and blood pressure is, comes from China. Many believe that a financial crisis similar to 2008 lies in the very near future. And then death, if, if anything seems like a harbinger, a harbinger of the coming seven-year tribulation, it's the culture of death. The culture of death that you and I experience that characterizes many governments in our world, especially this has happened. And although I see many things that already shock me, I know conditions that will get much, much worse during this great tribulation. In the fourth writer of the Apocalypse, the fourth writer of the Apocalypse in the book of Revelation, which is death, will make anything that has happened in the history of the world seem small by comparison. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. Whether we call it the Build Back Better or the Great Reset, the Great Reset, the planned COVID-19 outbreak, the vaccine deaths, the deadly mandates, the deadly mandates are just the tip of the iceberg. Should it not alarm us that, that those who are 
openly seek to depopulate the world, have become the most outspoken pro proponents of the COVID and the, the mRNA injections. The NIH, the National Institute of Health in America, recently admitted that it funded the gain function, the gain function research at the Wuhan lab in China. So much truths are coming out, but they're coming out on the back page, the last page, it seems like, that nothing less than an euphemism for weaponizing the coronavirus to make it more transmittable and deadly. I fear that the globalists, and you'll be hearing these terms more, that the globalists, I fear, the globalists have planned the creation of this super, super virus, the, the timing of its release and the, the vaccines which do not stop the transmission of COVID-19, nor do they prevent dying as a result of succumbing to this virus. They only lessen the severity of the virus for a short time after the injection. This great, great reset, AKA the building back better, for people who live in Australia, this shoe seems to have already dropped they already experienced many of the, the draconian and the tyrannical conditions that will characterize life on Earth during the tribulation period. Many, which I, I am a pre-tribber, I believe it will be evacuated by the rapture, not both the tribulation. In the United States, this, this concerted effort to destroy the fabric of our nation, is that almost the desire of the WEF, which is the world, the World Economic Forum, to impose itself upon the economic Great Reset. This agenda is none other than the coming of the New World Order as the so-called leaders of nations gather in their contract, the contract of 2030, and we're nearing that date, the 2030. I believe it's, it correctly describes the headway that our president, president is making in his efforts to collapse America so that it will have no choice to yield to the global powers that seek to form this new, new world or order. Just for example, just like with other policies such as opening the borders to hundreds of thousands of unvetted military aids migrants and unleashing crushing inflationary pressures on the economy. The injection mandates were calculated to, as a move to possibly. This is Randy Tabor, Collapse America. The humility, the humbling and humiliating way in which the United States ex exited Afghanistan. Being a military person for almost 30 years going through SOS squadron officers training and war college to make rank and grade to colonel. One of the first precepts is that you would never exit a country until the citizens were totally removed. The humiliating way in which the United States exited Afghanistan was also, I believe, plan to maximize negative feelings 
among our U.S. allies while emboldening, emboldening U.S. enemies abroad. The military, and I could go off into any one of these, the military, the, the health care system, the, the, the law enforcement, the airlines, the rail lines, the supply chains, the electric grid, etc. They're, they're all, I'm afraid, they're going to fail within the next 12, 20 months. And none of this critical human infrastructure, the infrastructure, can survive losing 20 to 30% of its workforce. If they do survive in some hollowed, hollowed out form, they will increasingly only serve the needs of the wealthy elites, not the general public. The United States of America will not exist as we know it in one year from now when the, the 2022 midterm elections will roll around and the country will be even less recognizable by the time we arrive at 2024. A strong America and a strong Christian church should and would never succumb to the globalist designs of the WEF, the World Economic Forum. The United States president told the American people that his legislation, which he calls a Build Back Better Act, and yes, if you read the World Economic Forum's contract book of many years ago, yes, this title comes directly from the WEF, the World Economic Forum playbook, will cost the, the U.S. taxpayers zero, zero dollars. This is most certainly a lie. It will cost you and I everything in the end, including our very freedoms. To possibly suggest that by the year 2030, that we will own nothing and be happy, that we'll become a, a fascist or an economic socialistic state. And the objective of those who control this deep state to destroy America, the supply chain disruption are, are intentional, I fear, and we laugh, will last until they have served the purposes of the globalists the globalists in contributing to the collapse of America. This shoe may hit the ground soon. And one of the essentials that you and I were being introduced to, and I've, I've witnessed this for the last 50 years in the military and at our annual conference get-togethers in the United Methodist Church, that an essential component of the so-called Great Reset is transhumanism. Transhumanism is a combining humans with machines or more with distant com computing, computing networks that will monitor their every move. And you'll hear more about Klaus, Klaus Schwab, the founder and the leader of this World Economic Forum. He refers to transhumanism as the fourth, the fourth industrial rev revolution, which he regards as a key component of this Build Back Better agenda. The two, in his mind, go hand in hand. And how will this, this fourth industrial revolution both start and continue? The plot to control your life and my life? The globalist plan to do this through vaccines over time to inject 
Revelation chapter 3, there's a process that will be incorporated. Something will be the mark of the Antichrist, the 666, an embedment, palm, or the forehead. We'll kind of have a walking credit card. Christians should never accept this. Please know that the current COVID vaccines are not. They are not the mark of the beast. That the Antichrist, the false politician, the false Antichrist will impose upon humanity humanity during the tribulation. However, why participate or continue to do so in something that has the intent of leading humanity to the place of slavery and inescapable perdition that the coming lawlessness will impose on, on humanity? But the blessed hope is that if I correctly understand, if I correctly understand 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through chapter 5, verse 11, and I believe that I do, then those of us in Christ will anticipate hearing a shout and the sound of this trumpet. trumpet. For, for us, the other shoe points to a joyful and a glorious event that, will, that we pray will happen soon. And the rapture will fulfill the words of John chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, as well, well as 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 56. It will signify the beginning of eternity for us as we instantly receive those imperishable bodies and Jesus catches us up to meet him in the air. This moment will be glorious beyond what we can envision at that moment. But for those left behind, for those who left behind, the, the other shoe will be the sudden destruction that will initiate the day of the Lord after the rapture of the church. Father, this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, the other shoe, the other shoe will come with many terrifying consequences for those outside of Christ. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, please call upon Jesus now. I believe we're living in very prophetic times. No one knows the day or the hour of Christ appearing. But just as Jesus said, the word of God says, a woman in labor knows that the birth is shortly coming. I see many birth pains. And Jesus said he shall come as a thief in the night. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. And every week I encounter people that I ask them, are they a Christian? And they think they're, they say, I think I am, or I feel I am, or I hope I am. And I'll ask them, well, what would it take for you to know you are? With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook, appreciate your prayers and your support. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, give me eyes to see, a heart to change, a mind to deliberate the things that are coming. Forgive my sins, O Lord. Come into my heart and life. Forgive my sins as I repent. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me by your Holy Spirit. Give me the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, as we turn to our offertory prayer, before our offertory hymn, just as I am without one plea, as we continue to pray for Chris Larson's daughter, Michelle, would you join me in the prayer that's printed in our bulletins, please? Long-suffering God, we hear the words of the familiar parable, and at different times, see ourselves as either son. We have received or demanded blessings 
to which we were not entitled, and squandered them in self-indulgent living. We have also looked out from our place of superiority and favor and have been indulgent over your lavish dispensing of love and mercy. As we bring our gifts this day, we do so in the humble gratitude and recognition that any and all blessings in our life come as your gift of grace. We pray in the name of your greatest gift, Jesus, our Redeemer. Amen. As the ushers come forward, let us turn to our offertory prayer, just as I am without one plea. Purple number 557, please.
Would you stand with me, please? joy that overcomes the darkness and death. And as we offer our tithes and our offerings to you this morning, we pray that we, we give in the confidence and the assurance of those fully convinced in our promise of the resurrection as we enter into the season of promise. Help us to experience our generosity as those who have no need to hold back or hedge our bets. May we live our days giving freely with love and grace and peace not as those who have the, only the hope of salvation, but the promise, the promise. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If there's any announcements, you'll want to come up to the mic. Chris, was there anything that we needed to um, emphasize? Hi. First of all, the sermon today was phenomenal. Second of all, many people have been warning, but everyone is not listening. The next, next time you hear someone call you, say conspiracy theorist, you just might want to listen to them because they're getting their truths from other sources and not the fake news media. They're getting, some of us are getting it from the scripture. And I just wanted to point out on that. And another thing I want to know is how many people have to die from all the lies that we've been told. Think about that. Are there any other prayer concerns? Marie, did you have a prayer concern? Prayer. Let's close with in our praise, red praise book, with number thirty-eight. and serve the Lord.